0: Hi there, this is Cindy Tonkin. I'm the Consultants Consultant. I work with data science teams, helping them work even smarter, faster and nicer. If you're brilliant and you want to be even better, this is the podcast for you. Today's podcast guest is Keegan O'Shea. He's cool, he's interesting and he's the epitome of a smarter data person. In this podcast, which is the very first one I ever recorded, you'll hear about how the best data insights are sensors, how deep learning is like making beer, and the three types of things you say no to. If you want to know more about how to be a smarter data person, or if you just like Keegan, listen. Do you reckon we should launch? Let's do it. Let's start it. All right, Keegan, I've got Keegan with me. Uh... We are talking today about how to work smarter, faster, and nicer. And Keegan O'Shea is my very first guest. He knows more about tech than I do, um, and uh, I'll let him say who he is and what he does. Keegan,
1: sure. Hi. Uh, so my name's Keegan O'Shea. I am a data person, a data guy, as <laughs> data I like guy. to nominate myself. I work for a company called Lexer, and I take care of the data team there. I've Worked in various data roles over the years, um, data science, data analytics, marketing analytics, headcount forecasting. Started off in call centers when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, dropped out of uni and didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do something with computers, mm-hmm. um, and I did that. Uh, not, I realise I'm going backwards in time, and it's the Benjamin Button the story. Uh, but uh, yeah, and um, I like doing. I like making data accessible to people who don't. Know what data is and how to use it. Right. Um, that's what that's what I try to do, and at my I work for a company called Lexa, who um, try to do that a bit as well. So it's a good fit for me.
0: So Keegan and I met at the recent IAPA Leaders in Analytics Awards. Yes. Um, and one of the panel there talked about the importance of Article Twenty Two in GDPR, which was all about, in fact, making the information and the algorithms more accessible. How, the, how decisions were made and that kind of stuff. So this yeah. whole getting data more accessible is yep. not just the new black, but kind of a, a requisite of getting work done, really.
1: Yeah, sort of. So that, that particular article talks about making sure that if a decision is made off your data, um, probably more for things like credit risk and that sort of stuff, uh, it's designed to make sure that someone has the right to understand why they made a decision. Because, mm. you know, typically in, in history, if you're denied a bank loan and, you know, in, back in the fifties, it's like, well, you were denied a loan because you don't have equity in your bakery or whatever it is. Now it's, oh, we threw it at a computer and did something we don't understand. what Computer it did, said no. Computer said no. And it just seems like a massive chocolate wheel that someone spun and said no to. So that's sort of the, um, the reasoning behind that. But yeah, the, that, that whole, um, that whole regulation protection in in gdpr is really designed to make sure people can uh people aren't screwed over by the way data is being used mm. um i've tried to think of it every which way but it's just no you're just not getting screwed over (laughs) um it doesn't you know it doesn't affect your human rights um your data while it may not necessarily belong to you have control over it and it's sort of putting that back and it's I mean, we can sit all day and talk about the pros and cons of GDPR. I'm not going to because oh, no, no, it's I'm not interested dollars. in the pros and cons. Yet. Um, <laughs> but it's an, it's an interesting change. I think in, in terms of accessibility, though, um, it's for me, it's not so much about from a from a, the person it's about, but more in an organisation or in a society of uh, making something complex simple to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, which is yeah, um, which is what we do. do. Which is what we do. Well, what we try to do. I, I don't. I, I find that people um, in that work in data don't do it as well as they think they do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there's a way to go for that so to get there.
0: What have you done? Because you work in data. Yeah. You have worked in data for a long time. What have you done to get better at explaining that?
1: I try to put it in terms that my mum will understand. And okay. people always step back and go, ooh, isn't it insulting your mum? It's, no, it's... <laughs> I, I want to put it in terms that an intelligent person... Uh, who isn't necessarily familiar with what I do Mm -hmm. would understand it. Mm. Um, Because you you work with businesses and you work with people who are peripheral to to data, but they're not in it. Mm. They're your person number 12 of 30 that they need to talk to to do the thing they're doing. And if you sort of stop and say, well, hang on, hang on, let me explain to you what hierarchical clustering is, and they they tune out, they don't want it. Mm. So um, if someone's coming to you, they come into you because they want your help. And so you want to be as helpful as possible, and there's no point um, getting all fancy and smart arsy about it because uh, you want to be able to assist in so a meaningful you, way. So,
0: you practiced explaining things to your mum. Uh,
1: I haven't actually. Um, I don't think she'd care. To be honest, <laughs> um, I, I, I'm sure she'd get it quickly. She's she's a she's a sharp one, but mm. um, I think the the way I like to explain it is. I try to explain it to someone who's not familiar with it at all mm-hmm. in a in a business context, yeah, yeah. and they go, "Hang on, what are we talking about again? Where mm-hmm. did you start with this?" You know, I, and you know, we all are guilty of getting it wrong, but I try to step it back and put it in. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of simplify the language of "we've got a thing, we've got to put it next to another thing, but the two things don't talk to each other." <laughs> and that, that exact language, yeah, and, yeah. but they don't talk to each other. But you need this other thing so to make them talk. So specific, though, Kegan,
0: are you yeah. sure people will get it if they if you use such specific terms. Well,
1: yeah. then then it's uh, then it gets a little. It's a little hard when people don't get at that point. If, if you know that I need to connect data A to data C, but the only way to do that is if they both have information B, for example. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, that is just joining two files. But If mm. it's about, you know, how algorithms work. I mean, people don't really care. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't feel the need no. to explain how they work. No, no, no.
0: no. And I don't, I, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's not how you get people to get on board and understand it. By explaining the minutiae of it, yeah, how do what do you do? How do you get people listening, even rather than switching off?
1: Well, there's two there's two sides of data, as far as I can tell. There's the the automation and optimization, which mm-hmm. is the all the software, the big data stuff that's just spinning away at software companies and churn models and predictive mm-hmm. models and all that you know trading. That's kind of one, but you don't really need to explain that to people. It's just, hey, there's some stuff we're doing at works and we've saved you a bit of money or mm. made you a bit more money, but it's mm. an optimization thing. There's the other side, which is guidance and mm-hmm. people and or insight, uh, which is people get those two confused
0: often. Oh, okay, Guidance and insight?
1: Guidance and insight versus automation. Versus
0: automation. Yeah. Okay, yeah,
1: yeah. So people uh, in, in the data world where I said you know, we need to get a bit better at doing data and explaining data is that, Guidance is its whole field, and I feel that you know it's really difficult to get that right mm. uh, because it's essentially communicating complex concepts mm. simply, uh, and that's the thing that needs to happen a bit better. And I speak with people in my field and other you know data scientists and leaders and things, and they kind of complain about, well, if people only understood, you know, the, the lost genius that I am, and one day they'll they'll figure out what we're up to and they'll catch up. It's not. It's not up to them, it's up to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, you look all through history, you know, the, you know, compute, the Apple, early Apple's, the Apple II and all those machines were really for nerds. Yeah. And people say, trust me, this computer's really good. But then, it, you know, it took the iMac and Windows 95 and everything to get people on board. Yeah. You know, the awful mobile phones from the early 90s mm-hmm. um, up to the iPhone. And it's, it's, there's all this history of technology. And this is, and data's just another technology of, well, this is complicated, we want to make it easy. Oh. Until there's a more structured way of making it more accessible, it's mm-hmm. going to be really hard. Like the example there of explaining what Lexa does, mm. um, that's sort of top line about a thing. If you're, yeah, yeah. If you're using a metaphor to explain data, data is typically mm-hmm. a detailed thing. Yes. And a metaphor. I've found is um, useful when you're speaking in abstract terms. Yes. Let me explain how a car works, yeah, yes. know, that sort of thing. Um, but it's not talking about the RPM or it's not talking about, you know, the specifics of speed and Absolutely. Fuel, you yeah, know, yeah. miles per gallon, that kind of thing. And that gets harder. When you go down to a level of technical detail, which is what data storytelling is, mm-hmm. you can't – there's no real emotive parallel to – that there's an emotive parallel to the conclusion. Mm-hmm. So if you say, "Oh, you you know your car gets uh, 700 kilometers per gallon," that's like a horse that never sleeps. <laughs> you know, that's it. It would be yeah. the conclusion that that is yeah. very good. It gets you far, and you don't have. To so, stop. is there?
0: T- give me a give me your favorite data concept at the moment, well, let's see if we can find a metaphor for it. Uh, I think
1: my favorite concept at the moment that I'm still trying to wrap my head around is. Yes. Uh, sort of this concept of deep learning. Yes. Uh, so it's not really that new, but mm-hmm. the way it's being applied is is quite new um, in terms of it's taking something that's been around for ages and putting it in new interesting applications like image, image recognition and things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and I feel that the, as someone who's had a background in, in building models and data, mm-hmm. you know, I'm pretty well-equipped to understand it. It took me a while to really get how it worked mm-hmm. uh, and I think the way I've kind of landed on is you, you know, I think that if I just think of it as a set of pipes, right. you know, you've got water coming in at different levels and you kind of keep tweaking the pressure of each of the valves until you get the mm-hmm. right mix of water or mm-hmm. beer or whatever. I'm sure there's a great... Sure it's a great it's beer metaphor yeah. here. Yeah, so yeah. we've got, we've got you know, the hops, uh, the barley yeast, everything else, water coming through. You're calibrating how much comes through and then mm-hmm. you taste it and you oh, it's not quite right. Let's turn this one up and you randomise the how much is coming through and then at the end of it you get to a point like actually I think this is quite good but you've Mm -hmm. got several valves and different layers and And you
0: constantly have to constantly keep checking it's not and you're turning
1: the well let's get the hops and barley is coming together let's let's tweak down the hops and barley but the straight hops will turn up and yeah let's put a little ginger in just for spice and it and it optimizes based on really quick feedback loops of, Mm -hmm. of getting that that working and I think that um, I haven't thought about it like that, but I think that... Um,
0: I love it when you think about something new on my podcast. Yeah. You heard it first, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I think the interesting
1: thing there, though, is, um, okay, well, what does that, you know, what does that mean for me? And I think that's yeah. the thing that, you know, you could explain how models work and, mm. and everything, but it's like, okay, well, why would I use this over gut feel?
0: Right, yeah, yeah. And
1: it's, well, it'll be cheaper. And that's <laughs> and that's often what people want not hear. It's either going to be cheaper or it's going to... Yeah. Um, make you more money or yeah. whatever
0: it might be. Because the um, decision makers have to make a decision based on yeah. some kind of criteria. And yes, we need this kind of deep learning to run our thing. Yeah. Our things. Is that a technical term again? It's a thing, yeah. Uh, and it's about how much, you know, do I need 17 people thinking about it or can I just have one person who regulates the, the hops and yeah. beer? Yeah, yeah. Um, it also depends who you're explaining it to, I imagine.
1: Yeah. I mean, it. it's really good to... Assume you don't assume the person you're speaking to knows more than they're letting on. <laughs> um, when I was younger, I uh, I used to work in call centers, as I said, and mm. I was on the phone with someone, and I was what nineteen or something like mm. that. So and you were I, very wise. Very very wise. I knew everything, um, yeah. and I was talking to this guy, and he was having a, a very particular issue, starting up his computer or something, and I, I put the guy on hold, and you know, being an angry nineteen-year-old. I uh, hung up and I thought, oh, this guy's a bit of an idiot. And I had to, had to think about it. And then I looked at his name and he was a doctor. He was doctor mm. something or other. had his own practice. And I thought, well, this guy's clearly more educated than I am. Mm. He has his own field of study. He is like a cardiologist or something. Mm. I thought, he's not an idiot. He just doesn't know about this thing. Yeah. Um, and that that's one of those lessons that I... I yeah, I've, you I've learned kept it with at 19. Like,
0: thank God you learned it at 19. Thank
1: God I learned it at 19. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of people I've, I've, I've encountered over the years who never learned that lesson. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was important to, to never assume something about the audience.
0: Because, well, exactly. Because if you take it in the other time, I, I'm always... Uh, when I go to my GP and she refers me to a specialist, part of it is she makes decisions on whether the person's a nice person or not. Mm. But I then give come back and give her granularity on that. Was like, yeah nice person but treated me like an idiot, yeah. not going back um, versus, uh, y- yes, yes, they assumed I had my own level of intelligence and expertise. Yes. It just wasn't in, you know, yes. dermatology. So, you know, they at least treated me like a human. Because yeah. um, I mean, I'm sure you have this experience of, uh, I'm going to say I'm just going to say it. I've always been like the smartest kid in the room. Like at school, I was always the smartest kid in the room, right? Yeah. And you probably had a similar experience of being one of the smart kids in the room. Um, and Probably not as
1: smart as I thought I was, but... Yeah. Well, no, absolutely. <laughs> well, because
0: you're not 19 anymore. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when you were 19, that was your peak oh, smartness. Yeah, oh, yeah
1: exactly. Um,
0: and that there's a certain impatience that I have when I'm being treated like I have no education, no understanding. So someone yeah. trots out a metaphor that's kind of like well yeah i get that the mm-hmm. heart is a pump yeah. give me more than that because you know i yeah. can handle it
1: but um, i don't I, I don't think anyone likes being condescended to and it just de- no, it I, depends at what level condensate con- condes- con- not condensation condesa- <laughs> condensation kicks in
0: condensation that's back to the beer yeah yeah well it's, it's See, all that dripping makes. into the water that's what's making it sweet um
1: yeah and I, I think people don't like being spoken down to but i think there's a qualifying point of uh you've got to get a read of the person if you're explaining mm. something to them and you can tell they're going yes i know all of this mm. um, you, you can i've seen it happen where someone's uh, i've i've been looking to present a, a scatter plot to someone at a, a senior executive in a meeting once uh, and uh, the manager at the time says do you think do you think uh, the the audience can understand this and uh, my boss at the time and i thought about it and thought well you know the, this executive did study quantitative um, theory at an Ivy League school in the US I think they can understand got a scatterplot with a yeah, yeah. trend line through it um, but there are other people who may not who yeah. might be you know might have a background in law
0: so how did you approach that
1: I just presented it and went oh, to it. <laughs> person, you, you
0: assumed that that person I went assumed now, that like,
1: person went, I mean, so it wasn't,
0: you, wider, it wasn't like five people in a room it's just one no. person okay. um,
1: and I think if it, if it were five people for example um, you would say look here is a trend bid you know if you're in a position where you're presenting say a PowerPoint presentation you present the numbers where the numbers are relevant but if you say, you don't have to. Like I think the best data insights are just sentences. If you can't. Oh, now that's
0: a that's a nice that's a tweetable thing. Say that.
1: Yeah. Say more. Well, I mean, if 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 you could say it in a text message, um, explain something in text message, that's insightful. Because if if you want something to be insightful, um, it needs to be easily understood and impactful. Wow. I think. So
0: that's a really good insight on insight. Yeah. I'm <laughs> I mean,
1: numbers numbers good, but I think if you're like the company used to work for, if I I presented an insight that I uh, thought was was reasonably interesting, Mm -hmm. it was um, X percent of people buy these products, Mm -hmm. uh, a a version of that. Uh, And I heard that fed back to me for years. But for me, it was just a couple of lines of code and I sped it through. But yeah. um, And you spent weeks, months, years I sp- I spent toning
0: it. that one sentence.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that, that sentence just led it off its way. But then, you know, the 20 pages of a, a cogent argument about why we should do blah, 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 um, fell on deaf ears. Yeah. If you can crystallise something that... Because you hear that and you go, oh, that means we need to do more of this instead of this.
0: Is that why Twitter's been so cool for people? Look, yeah. I'm not a big Twitter. I mean, I'm, I'm on Twitter, but... You know, I don't spend any time there. I think
1: Twitter's Twitter's really funny because uh, uh, my you know my, my, my company has a history of doing social media data, and I've spent a lot of time on Twitter recently mm-hmm. to sort of hone that in. What I find interesting is the 140 to 280. I don't think it really matters, but if you put it in a couple of sentences, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's really interesting. I think mm-hmm. it's actually been interesting for comedy, for example. You get yeah, a lot of totally. comedy accounts that have one Mitch Hedberg style one-liners and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, You've got a lot of, uh, what I found really interesting Twitter, about Twitter actually is that from a data perspective is something like the gun control debate. Mm. You know, a very emotive thing that 20 years ago would have just been, how dare you, this, yeah. that and the other, a very emotive thing. Well, but now
0: it's, it's, I'm unfriending you. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, no, but more so it's like, um, you know, how, how can you believe this? You know, there have been 39 deaths in the last 15 days over this things and this was the thing and this is how much money was spent. It's a very numerate argument.
0: Yes, yes. Um,
1: and, you know, there's a lot of really passionate arguments that happen online now mm-hmm. that you see and there's a lot of numbers in them. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, it's not a table of numbers. It's a sentence mm. including a numbers. Sentence. And those are the things that go viral and get retweeted and everything mm. else like that. And if you can present that, mm. um, I find I find that great. I mean, the... Uh, um, I love hearing about the stats of, you know, the, the infant mortality rate has gone down 30,000% or something in the mm-hmm. last whatever period. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't want to quote the numbers, but you read that and go, wow. You read that sentence and you yes, just sort of pause. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. And so it's one number. It's
1: just one number in context. context. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's more useful if it means the audience can do something about it mm. or if it... Um, Unfortunately, it can be used to, you know, satisfy bias and go, oh, yeah, well, cool, he's going to put this in my back pocket.
0: Well, they do say a biro can be used to commit murder or a biro can be used to write poetry inspiring millions. So it's yeah. every tool has yeah. its up and down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of my pet projects mm. is I've been developing a series of workshops, essentially, uh, and resources around how do we say no nicely? So mm. my experience uh, in corporate data analytics, yeah. pe- with da- corporate data analytics people and insights people, is that I have to say a no to a lot of things. Sometimes it's just because this is a stupid idea; yeah. it's a waste of our time. Um, but also, it's because sometimes it's because well, we just don't have the resources to do this. Yeah. Um, what experience do you have with saying no to clients or stakeholders or life? Yeah, I think.
1: There's I can kind of put it in three categories. So you've got Ooh. yeah, um, I I because because I've had to do this so much. Before, yeah, yeah. Right? Um There's saying no because someone's just trying to palm off work. Yeah. And it's simply something they can do themselves that they can't do, and that that is very simple. Mm-hmm. Of no, you do it. Yeah. Um, and it becomes very clear yeah. um, if someone is just piling off something. Like and
0: that me. would be someone in your the same team as you, or no, not necessarily.
1: Team. It's just no? hey, can you? I had an example a few years ago where someone said, hey, uh, I've got an Excel spreadsheet or something. Can you uh, not? Can you help me to do this? And yeah. like, can you tidy this up so I can put in a report? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's called Google. Go Thinking. figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but that's that's a separate. Now I think there's then there's the, the other two issues. There's the capacity problem. Yeah, and then there's the um, importance problem. And so if you have, um, you know, I don't have capacity to do something, that's just a resourcing Uh thing. And then you can kind of go, well, yes, but when? Yes. I can't do it by that time. Convince me that it's more important than these other things. Yes. Yeah. Um, Like the brief's good. It's a good thing to do, but it's not necessarily the most important Uh thing. I think the last one, which is the most interesting one, is someone who will give you a brief saying, um, give me this. I want to know this number. Yeah yes and we can do it a better way yeah, yeah. Um, you know that stand-up comedy is a great um, routine as you, yes, in, you, yes you seem to know the yes the, and into the
0: whole improv yes and the whole improv.
1: Yes. yes and you're not saying yes but or no but you're saying yes and we can reach the same outcome by doing it this way instead yes. oh yeah that's fine because people yeah. are often asking questions because they think they know the outcome they think that Hey, can yeah. you give me this number? Can you
0: prove to me that my, my hypothesis is correct? Yes. yes, an entire PhD would do that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. But sometimes sometimes it's, we heard this, we've got some research, got some background, up, can you validate? Mm. And sometimes that's, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of data people kind of look down their nose at it and go, well, it's, you know, that's just a simple query. The technical requirement for me to do that is it's beneath me or whatever. <laughs> my right brain there. is much bigger yeah, than that. Yeah, and yes. I, I think that's, that really, I think that more than anything else that does data people a disservice. Because it means I could help you, but I think I'm better than you. Yes. And I really don't like that. Well,
0: Which comes well, back to that condescension thing. Yeah. So we've got a theme of condescension coming out. I
1: here. just don't. I, I've, and it's not, it's not necessarily in my, um, uh, not in my recent experiences and years of working with technical people, you know, working in call centres, IT people, mm. you know, 15, 20 years, even friends. You know, the, the people I find that do, do well for themselves in a technical capacity are the more amenable Friendly ones who yeah. want to help, uh, and
0: so is that the bottom line? If you want to be a good data scientist-ish person, uh, you d- need to be nice.
1: Maybe I mean, if you kind. want to be if you want to be a data scientist building models and things, yeah. um, you just need to be good at maths and coding and stuff. But if you want to be a, you want to be facing people working in data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should be. Mm. One of the you know, I started out in IT and wanted to be a systems architect and solution architect for all of, you know, big mm. enterprise systems. And what I found is that in time I was trying to do all of that, you know, IT went from, you know, this nineties idea of we can change the world, we've got the internet, you know, mm. Rolling Stones are singing the theme song for Windows ninety five. Like it's cool, it's happening. <laughs> and then it kind of went down to, you know, the pathway of support tickets and IT's a cost center and mm. no will say no mm. until you fund it and it, Became a lot less creative, mm-hmm. um, and I worry that if data people aren't more collaborative with, you know, marketers or strategy or you know, business or whatever it might be, uh, they'll they'll be forced down the same road of mm-hmm. well, it's a cost. Of, we have to do da- data. We know we have to do data. It's the cost of doing business, mm. um, and there will be prioritisation discussion and blah, blah blah blah. But but if it's no, let's work with you to solve your problems. Yeah, um, I think that works a lot better.
0: So so saying no to someone because of the the project is important and it needs to be better. Yeah. The yes and rather than the no that's really a yes and. Yes, we'd like to do this and the way you've conceived of it isn't going to be as good as if we did it this way. I've come to,
1: like, a lot of people in in data don't realise that you have to, you don't have to use data. Like you could get by, like businesses around the world, some of the biggest businesses in the world get by without any data. All
0: right. Who gets Come by without data? Come on.
1: Keep oh, I don't want to say that in case they end up coming. <laughs> um, there, there are, are
0: there industries that don't rely too much on data? Yeah. Um,
1: I mean, I know that there are – I think it's pockets of Mm organisations. You'll see some organisations that are light years ahead in their supply chain, they've optimised this, that, and the other. Mm. But in their, you know, in their HR department, for example, they're just in in access databases and, you know, weird weird stuff. Uh, I think there's a cultural thing across organisations. But, I mean, decisions get made based on, well, it's worked before, let's do it again. Yeah. Um, And they're mature markets, difficult to disrupt, Mm. uh, that – they don't have to make decisions, informed decisions, because they have gotten by so far mm. off the back of their product. Yeah. Maybe that's okay. Yeah, but you don't have to make decisions for data for everything mm. until someone can, you know, blockbuster or <laughs> your blockbusters and your MySpaces and your um, well, I
0: think even if and you your, think your about-
1: taxi industries. You know, they, these businesses. Yeah. You're like, oh, how could you disrupt that? So you want to get ahead. But I think even then, when those tech giants come at you, yeah, as advanced as you are kind of screwed.
0: Yeah, so you basically you're ripe for an Uber in your in the industry if yeah, you're yeah. not already using it. Yeah. I was doing some work for a um, New South Wales public sector organisation doing mm. strategic planning and they happened to mention that they were going about to develop, and I don't even remember what it was, but it was something where I was like, oh, my God, everybody else did that in the 80s. What mm. are you doing in 2015 Yeah, not having – it was something really basic like – processes and procedures Mm. or uh, templates for external communications or something like that. And I think data would be one of those things that is like in dark recesses of some public sector organisation, people are still making decisions based on a gut feel or based on what we did last year or um, so it's slowly creeping. I
1: I think even in data rich organisations, gut feels happening because you've got a... um, You know, this comes down to corporate politics, which is his own thing. But if you have a senior person who makes a decision that is amenable to their business or to their own career, um, they can justify it anywhere they want. And, you know, that's the nature of the beast. It's Mm. just just what happens. Um, To that example of of not using data, there's a a friend of mine who um, is a relatively senior marketer. Uh, She worked in a business for a very short period of time um, managing a telemarketing business and they didn't have computers. This was (laughs) three years ago. Um, But that business, on on the surface of it, um, doing really well. Yeah. Um, I think it comes down to uh, uh, what value, you know, a lot of dark people think, well, we can change the world, and um, everything's possible with us. It's, well, some things, Mm. you know, not everything. Yeah, yeah, Um, exactly. You know, IT didn't solve everything. We still have to communicate face-to-face. We still have to um, you know, teleconferencing still doesn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we still use telephony. So um, I think it's um, data will slowly chip away at,
0: at things. Stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. stuff.
1: But I mean, you know, biases still exist. Mm-hmm. You can get all the information you want. There's a lot of research out there saying even if you get presented irrefutable facts, yeah. you'll just knock it back. So
0: yeah, um, you th- just can confirm you in the beliefs you.
1: Yeah, the confirmation bias will just like override and go. Yep, mm. I, I already believe this. Oh, there's you know there's stuff in science. Won't go down the climate science road because it will make me angry. But um, you know there'll you be just one. in The data science road. Yeah. There's yeah, exactly. plenty of people in the data yeah. science. Yeah. Here. But there's <laughs> one. There's one paper that suggests something else, funded by someone else. But I don't care. And it'll be. Yeah. It'll be. Um, that's fine. Yeah, we'll we'll take that position. So I think I think. You know, from that guidance and insight thing, um, data is is a useful tool for those who are open to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's up to the data people to be able to communicate it in a way that, you know, if yeah. you've got advocates. Let's let's mm-hmm. you know work with those people to figure out how would you like to interpret this information. Mm-hmm. I don't need a 20-page deck or a dashboard of whatever. I, I just need you to tell me what to do. Oh, great, we have that established relationship because you know I understand your business or whatever, and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But that. Um, that only scales so far because that requires humans interpreting data, talking to other humans and, you know, I think data and software then has a part to play in sharing information and having a common language. And, and, and like. bottom
0: line, humans are irrational.
1: So I try to be in the office um, near central at, um, seven thirty, eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and my most productive time is from then until about midday.
0: So what, what's the first thing you do when you hit your desk?
1: Um, Open laptop, plug it in, then go make myself a coffee. <laughs> nice. Um, I we have internal workflow tools at my company one called Asana,
0: mm-hmm. which is like a yeah planning tool. Planning yeah. tool,
1: tick boxes. Uh, I look mm-hmm. at it and go, all right, that's what I'm going to do today.
0: Right. So you don't preload anything any to do list. It's basically well, it's, it's, an, it's an ongoing to, to do.
1: like I did it three days ago. I said I'll do that on Thursday. It's now Thursday. Oh, that's what I decided. I was oh, so do. Yeah, oh, so you have pre planned. Yeah, I I plan out my deadlines where I can and um, before I go home and the day before I just look well go, I've got seven things that I'm not going to do I'll move that to Monday and, Right. Um, so I try to have it ready for the yeah. day um, and start to smash through it uh, and do as much as I can without the world interrupting me mm-hmm. um, and I find that's really effective and then try to where possible try to book meetings later in the day mm-hmm. uh, and try to head off around five yeah, yeah. Um, get home uh, hang you out got with the family have a little kids I had two two young daughters. Yes. Uh, and so try to spend an hour or two with them and then before dark. <laughs> before dark. Well, at the moment, yeah. No, no, yeah. Um, and um put them to sleep and then either watch TV or lately there's been a lot of working until sleep just to right. do the stuff that I have the headspace to do, like you know, coding or, or stuff that yeah. doesn't require me to be in the office to interact right. with other people.
0: And what's your TV, what what kind of TV are you watching at the moment? Um, or what's your favorite? If you don't want to say what you're doing right now.
1: Well, at the moment, actually, I'm, I'm watching Glow season 2. I just
0: finished season two on Friday. Uh, night. Don't
1: don't tell me anything. Um, I try to watch a combination of um, just just comedy. I, I'm really enjoying um, Netflix's stand-up comedy specials, well, certain yeah. certain specials. Um, but I my you know my history. My favorite shows are always you know Mad Men, Breaking Bad, those week to week cerebral weird. Yeah. Um, weird shows that are really addictive. And, um, you know, from a comedy perspective, I love a, anything that Mike's show does. He does Parks and Recreation and The Good Place and Brooklyn 9 I love The Good
0: Place. i watched The Good Place like five times. Yeah. It's so I'm, I'm re-watching, having
1: seen the seen it, um, re-watching now, knowing yeah. the twist that occurs at some point yes. in the show. Yes, yes. We, um, we can't dear, say what because haven't seen yeah. it watch it. Yes, <laughs> it's fantastic. And um, so that kind of, you know, 22 minutes. Mm. getting through it yeah yeah um and yeah documentaries about you know a lot of stuff dirty money it's all on netflix at the moment it's a dirty yeah, yeah. money um icarus great documentary about um mm. doping um you know that kind of um how the world works documentary yeah. and a lot of books i'm reading you know how the world works and how it, how it used to work and
0: you know, so so you're reading books tell me about what books you like
1: try about. to read books um
0: or podcasts. Po- Maybe you
1: listen to podcasts. I listen to podcasts. I listen to podcasts and books. I try to consume. I call like my tw- you know. I'm not that big on Twitter, but my Twitter bio is avid human. Avid I, li- human. I like I like taking in you know music, movies, books, uh-huh. TV, music, just just all of it. Um, books uh, have a history of reading all sorts of stuff. Um, lately, I've been reading um, books about sort of the history of humanity, but not from a sort of a future-looking perspective. So yeah. Jared Diamond's Guns, Germs, Steel, Yuval Harari's right. Homo Deus, and recently finished um, Stephen Pinker's Enlightenment now. Right. And it's all about this is everything that's happened in history. This is where we are now, and this is yeah, the everything. result of like, that.
0: he's not ambitious at all, that guy. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, but it's all its all kind of um, we have progressed through the history of time for these reasons. Mm-hmm and this is what's promising for the future and it's kind of dispelling a lot of myths around like guns germ steel it's you know there's there's no you know racial uh there's nothing about race that dictates superiorness or whatever mm-hmm. you know um uh eugenic argument there is it's it's kind of the sense that well you know geography and interaction and the eurasian continent they were next to each other at the right temperature and they shared stuff and so they were able to get advanced and um, the thing I really liked of those of those books, one, I, one of the concepts I liked that was relevant to my work was um, uh, Homo Deus, Yuval Harari's book about this the history of going from Homo sapiens to creating things and we've kind of evolved beyond Homo sapiens. And he kind of talks about data at the end of it in a really fascinating way. He talks about um, uh, the idea that all of society is information processing systems. Mm-hmm. So, you know... Also,
0: we are a metaphor for data. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: and so, you know, a, a church is a centralised um, uh, data processing system, whereas a democracy is a decentralised because you're sharing information and, mm-hmm. you know, an autocratic leader is centralised. And the idea is that as time goes on, um, all it is is sharing information. It's I'm telling you a story. My story is that this $20 note will give you four coffees. Um, It's just a story we tell each other. We all agree in this social contract that it's Mm -hmm. valuable. And what he sort of argued is that as time goes on, we're getting more and more connected and all the data is getting more and more valuable. And so, but the barriers to that are, you know, people not accepting information. So I thought that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of saying that as time goes on, the value of a thing in future, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of speaking of the history of utilitarianism and stuff is that, you know, the, the value of something is how much data it outputs. Uh, which Ooh. I don't necessarily agree with, but. Um, Does that make
0: me more valuable if I tell more stories?
1: I think you just stand outside and yell a bit, it would be great. It would be I'm kind of great. That. I've got a soapbox,
0: yeah, should be exactly. fine. I'll go down to the domains. But if something if something
1: spits out information, it's, it's useful. So, yeah. um, you know, Wikipedia is really useful. Um, yeah. Whereas a rock um, may not be. No, but yeah. rock and roll rock is. and roll is is, is, just, is an information distribution system that send <laughs> so out say amazing. you're also a
0: keen music listener you can't live without music you told me tell me more yeah. about yeah
1: um, I don't like I, I realize it's not necessarily music it's I don't like silence
0: yeah
1: silence is deafening and I think I do love music um, and I think that uh, I love music it's you know my, my family. My mum's mm-hmm. side of the family is very into music. Play, My dad's into music. Do you
0: play music? Like, are you a musician who y- plays an instrument? Yeah. I. Um,
1: when I was younger, I was in bands around mm-hmm. around town. Oh, were you? How cool. Yeah. <laughs> Cooler than it sounds. Um, and, um, yeah, played guitar. Um, Unless you played were the drummer. Guitar. Were you the drummer? No, I was, <laughs> the, I was the the um, control freak singer-guitarist. Nice. Um, and it, I was in the band with um, all, a few of the bands actually with my, um, my now partner mm-hmm. um, which is how we met each other and um, I still make music now um, under the name Street Hawkers check us out on SoundCloud
0: um,
1: and it's um, yeah it's really just me on my laptop when my kids are asleep and I don't want to look at work anymore it's just um, mm-hmm. um, See, rot. so you write It's it's less structured than that but yeah yeah, it's, you create. It's more some, da- I create. I create music. soundscapes.
0: Right. Um, yeah, right. there
1: there are songs and record. Recording is is more my preference. I I never enjoyed live performance really mm-hmm. outside of when it was at a cool venue or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, the music production and audio editing and engineering. What was it that he
0: didn't enjoy about live performance? crowd sizes usually
1: right? Not, <laughs> um, not
0: big enough or too big no, no,
1: no, 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 I wish I had the luxury getting of an audience is the getting an audience it? was hard and I think that you know you, you rehearse for weeks and then you play a show and there's 12 people in the audience it's it's somewhat disheartening mm. um but I mean it's still was all fun I yeah. mean there was no we never we actually called ourselves um the Russian brides because we wanted people would have trouble finding us online. When they searched our name, they ended up with all sorts of porn sites. So
0: um,
1: we were purposely sabotaging ourselves. Um, which um, And things only started to go south when we started to get a, a little bit of success and we started mm. taking it seriously and that's when we stopped having fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a, you know, you can't really – succeeding in music is like winning the lotto. You can't really do it. If you don't enjoy the process, you it's a really weird selection for a – for a career, so mm. but um yeah no I love I love listening to music I love creating it, um, I, I find it's useful to, um, yeah I even even knowing the technical, you know a lot of people when they know the technical of how something some art works it, mm. they get jaded about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only made me appreciate it more. So mm. it's um I think yeah I'm, it's never going to leave me. I don't think. Mm-hmm.
0: This is Cindy Tonkin, I'm the consultant's consultant and you've been listening to Smarter Data People. This is part of what I do to understand how it is that data scientists can be more effective in the workplace, smarter, faster and nicer. And if you have a team and you're finding them harder to manage than they could be, If you're constantly trying to squeeze more out of your budget and out of their time, and if you've got stakeholders or they've got stakeholders who are less than happy sometimes, maybe a lot more than sometimes, it can be really annoying and it can make you feel incompetent, I can help you help them get to the important problems faster target the wasted time and save you time and money, and ultimately delight stakeholders so that you can feel competent again. It's such a good feeling. Talk to me.